0: It's all good. Uh, good to see you. Wow. I was here a month ago. Good to be back. Good to be with you. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, the six or seven of you that are... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I just wanted you to feel at home. I wanted you to feel like Pastor Allen was here with you this morning. So, hey, baby, it's good to see you in church. So... <laughs> I love Pastor Allen. Do you love Pastor Allen and his family and what they mean to this church? They are just awesome, awesome, awesome. We're just so thankful for all that. Uh that he does and his family does, and they are on staycation, but some of them are right here today. So good to see you. Hey, boys and ladies, it's good to see you with us in church this morning. We're so happy that you're here. I do want to celebrate a big deal, something that you guys participated in and did this past week, and that was right across the street at Triple S. You served a hundred teachers and leaders, administrators, and even there were just people who drove up from the community and said, hey, is that lunch? And we said, sure, have a lunch. And we gave them something to eat too. So, uh, man, thank you guys so much. Great job. A hundred people fed. That's a big deal, being the hands and feet. I don't know where Lindsay went. Being the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today, I want to talk a little bit about doubt and when we are in doubt. How many of you know that we live in a season right now where there's a lot of things we're wondering about, right? Have you doubted some things this week? Nobody? (laughs) Yeah, I, I think we we all will hear things or see things or maybe look at the news and see what's happening on the news, and we we go, hmm, I ain't real sure about what I'm seeing, right? Yeah, you know, we we tend to doubt certain things, right? Well, one of the most heartbreaking things for me as a pastor, as a guy who's grown up in church my whole life, is is knowing that there are people who wonder and doubt about. The love of God in their life? Are they truly saved? Have they truly, you know, they, we've made a commitment to Jesus and, uh, you know, and you talk to them about their relationship with the Lord and then you look at them and ask them and say, hey guys, tell me about, you know, your relationship with Jesus. Are you excited about it? You know, one day we're going to be in heaven with the Lord and, and we're going we're gonna to meet Him there and they're like, well, you know, I guess. I hope, I'm, I, hope I, I do enough I hope I'm I'm good enough. How many of you know that you can't be good enough or do enough to earn salvation from Jesus Christ? Amen. Where does it come from? Him alone, right? It comes from Christ and Christ alone. We started a study on Wednesday night, this past Wednesday, in the book of Colossians. And Colossians talks about the supremacy and the sufficiency of God. How many of you are thankful that God is supreme over all? Amen. How many of you are thankful for his sufficiency in your life? Whether we're in the COVID season, whether we're in the election season, whatever season it is we're in, I'm thankful for the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus in our lives. Uh, We're going to be in 1 John today, we're going to skip just a little bit around, but 1 John's not a super big book, Uh, but if you have your Bibles, please go there. If you don't, look on your phone, on your app, and if you have your phone and you have downloaded the Bridge NC app, uh, go to the Bridge Smithfield and you will find notes there for today's message. But 1 John 5.13 says this, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. How many of you want to be sure? How many of you know I have eternal life in Jesus Christ? It's sealed. It's a done deal. And I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus that was poured out for me. I've received that and I'll walk in it and I know it. Well, if you don't know it today, you can know it before you leave this place. Doubt is to the spirit what pain is to your body, okay? When you doubt in the spirit, it's, it's equivalent to what pain is to the body. We don't like it. We don't want it there. We don't need it there. It paralyzes us. It, it keeps us from moving forward. And so today, what I want to help you learn is how to overcome your war with doubt. Um, why is this so important? The reason it's so important is because assurance is essential in serving Him. To influence believers, spiritual confidence is the foundation that we work from as His disciples. When we know that our future is secure, listen to this now, we're able to concentrate on the mission that God has set our feet to. Amen? When we know that's secure, we can concentrate on the mission. I am a fruitless disciple if I'm always filled with doubt about my relationship with God. If I walk around wondering, does he love me? Does he care about me? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? When we walk in doubt, we are fruitless as disciples. So John gives us three major questions that we ask ourselves, to help us evaluate our spiritual life. And see, one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit uh, was given to us, we just came through this wonderful series, Third Person. Hadn't that been great? Uh, The Holy Spirit given to us to give us uh, guidance, to give us direction, to give us boldness so that we can bear witness. When we are walking in doubt and in self-doubt, we're not walking in boldness, are we? So we got to let the Spirit of God work in our lives. So the first question that is answered in John about doubt is this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, But this we know, we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. So the question of keeping His commandments, I know that I've come to know Him. I know that I'm walking in Him if I keep His commandments. Now, I want to show off hands today. There are ten commandments that we see in the book of Exodus. How many of you have kept those ten commandments perfectly? <laughs> None of us have kept them perfectly, have we? No. Anybody ever lied? Anybody ever took anything? I, you know, when I was about four years old, I took a pack of fruit Stripe chewing gum. There's a little pack of chewing gum. I don't think they make it anymore. It had a little horse or something on it, and it was all rainbow-colored, and I, I had it in my pocket. We were walking through the drugstore, and I said, man, I like that. I ain't got no money, and Mama's going to say no if I ask, and so I just put it in my pocket. Well, I never was a real sly criminal. <laughs> so I got home, and I took the fruit stripe out and put it on the bar in the kitchen, and Mama walked in, and she looked at it, and she knew I didn't have any money. I'm five. What am I doing to make money, right? She said, son, where did you get that? I said, the store. I thought, well, I'll be honest. It's where I took it from, but I got it from the store. And she said, get in the car. We're going back to the store. And I, she put it in her pocketbook and put my hand in hers, and I took the walk of shame. Up to the cash register, and she said, "My little boy's got something to say to you." And I told her that I took the fruit stripe, men salt to injury, I didn't even get to chew any of it. They took it back, and she made me leave empty-handed, right? Um, so we've all broken a commandment or two or three or four. Um, and so this notion of keeping the commandments of God this is, I'm not talking about sinless perfection what I'm talking about is us walking in a place of obedience with God that when we do break a commandment when we do sin against him when we think a thought or do a thing or respond on the highway that's my Achilles heel you know I don't tell people they're number one now I don't get the wrong idea but but I will, you know, let somebody fly up behind me, and then I'll get behind them, and I'll, you know, and and I'll just let them know I'm there in Jesus' name. And so, um, but but when we do those things, there's conviction for that stuff, right? When we break a commandment of God, when we disobey God, and there's no conviction there, that's when we need to worry. That's when we need to start asking the question, what's going on in my relationship with God? So one of the the things that, that can help us in our assurance, knowing and overcoming spiritual doubt, is keeping the commandments of God. But we know that we have come to know Him when we keep His commandments. It's a way that we know. Second question is a question of love. The question of love. 1 John three fourteen. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. When we love the brethren, when we love one another, we know that we have passed, it says, uh, from death into life. What did we do last week? We fed the school. Now, have those people done anything personally, maybe, for the folks? I know personally the guy who cooked the chicken. He didn't know anybody at Triple S High School. He doesn't know any of the teachers. He doesn't know any of the administrators. He doesn't know any of the students that go there. But you know what he does know? He knows Jesus, and he loves him, and he wants to show the love of Jesus to the world that he lives in. They will know that we are Christians by our love, right? So, I love you individually as a fellow believer. I love the church uh, that represents Christ, the big C church. And I love everyone outside the church. My heart, my desire is to see people come to know Jesus. Does your heart break for the things that break the heart of God? Do you drive by people who clearly are hurting or in pain and say, man, i got to go and, and see how that person's doing? My wife, Wednesday night, on the way to Bible study, saw a lady sitting in the drive at Evergreen Cemetery on 70 Highway. Some of you came from Goldsboro today. She comes to the Bible study. Um, my wife is about five four, and... Um, I, Little bitty thing. Says there's a lady sitting in the parking lot with her hand out the window. She's laid back and I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about her. I'm going to go with my mother-in-law who's about the same size as she is and we're going to go check on her. Because she's compelled by love and she's worried about him. And I said, no you're not until that guy that's 6'8", goes with you and, gets in, and you should have seen him walk out to a little Honda Civic that she drives and she's going to put that man in the back seat of the car. I said, he'd be better riding on top than he would getting in the back seat of that car. But they went out there to check on her. The person was gone, but what compelled them was love. You've been compelled by the same thing. You have been compelled. You've seen people. You've taken food maybe to a stranger standing on the street corner. And we won't even get into that conversation. But you never know when you're entertaining angels unaware, the Bible says. And if God touches your heart and speaks to your heart about doing something for someone else, you better not miss the opportunity. Love is the benchmark of the believer. We know we are believers by the love that we have for one another. And then the third question is the question of trust. I can be assured if I'm keeping His commandments, I can be assured of my salvation if I love one, my fellow Christian, if I love the church, if I love people who aren't believers in Christ. And then I know I can be assured, I can have that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine if I trust. If I trust in the Lord my God. First John 5, beginning in verse 10. The one who believes in the Son of God, I'm reading from the Amplified here, who adheres to, who trusts in, who relies confidently on Him as Savior, has the testimony within himself because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. The one who does not believe in God in this way has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the evidence that God has given regarding His Son. And the testimony is this. God has given us eternal life. We already possess it and this life is in His Son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal uh, companionship with Him. And I want us to stop right there real quick. And you may ask, you say, now, this verse talks to us about believing in God, and you're calling it the trust test. This is a trust test. It is the test of trust. Do we believe what God says about who He is and how He wants to operate in our lives. When you trust somebody, what do you do? Do you listen to them? Yeah. When you trust somebody, do you not only listen to them, but do you do what they say? Yeah. As a parent, what is the most frustrating thing for you? When you tell your children something, and they say they trust you, but what do they do? The opposite of that. Anybody ever been guilty of that? Anybody ever been guilty of their mom and dad looking at them and saying, now you need to trust me here. You need to listen to what I'm telling you here. Do what I say. And they go, okay. And then they call you back about two hours later and the wheels have fallen off, whatever thing it was they were doing. And the first question you ask is what? Did you do what I said? Well, kind of. (laughs) <laughs> when you kind of do it, you kind of find yourself in a mess. And as much as mom and dad love us, right? Much as they care, God loves us even more. And if we say we trust God, what are we going to do? We're going to do what He says, right? We're going to do what God's telling us to do. What does God tell us to do. The reason we call it the trust test, and I know that the word believe is in this passage of scripture, but the English word believe is not strong enough uh, to, to really be equated to the Greek word used here. I'll give you an example. We intellectually believe that George Washington was the father of our country, that he actually lived, and that he was a historical character. I, too, believe uh, that George Washington did the things that we read in the history books, but I don't trust him for anything. I've not committed my life to George Washington. I've committed my life to Jesus. I trust him With my life. When I talk about believing in Jesus Christ, what I'm saying is that I trust Him with my eternity, that I've committed my life wholly and completely to Him. The word believe here means to fully trust, to fully commit. So the question is not, do you believe the historical facts about Jesus, but have you committed your life to Jesus? You know, there are a lot of people who believe in Jesus. You know, the demons believe in Jesus, right? They haven't committed their life to him. The question is, do you trust him? Do you trust Jesus to save you from your sins by surrendering your life to Him? I want you to notice this 1 John 5 passage. It is He is using the present tense here. These things have I written to you who believe. Not believed at some point in the past, but believe right now in the present. Now, I want you to lean in real carefully because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. And what I'm about to say, please hear me, is tempered with the understanding that there is balance. As we look at Scripture, we're looking at it in context, all right? But I cannot find anywhere in Scripture where it tells us to look back at some experience for the assurance of our salvation, okay? The Bible is very clear as we look here in 1 John what we're doing when we look for the assurance of our salvation. Nowhere in the Word of God. Now, what happened in the past is a big deal, right? Can you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? You remember that day? But see, far too often when you ask people about their relationship with Christ, when you ask people do you know Jesus, they say, well you know I remember walking down uh, uh, at, at pisgah baptist church when i was nine years old and and giving my heart to the lord i i i I remember that i was baptized i got put on the roll even and that's wonderful And I don't want to belittle that testimony and I don't belittle that testimony. I talk all the time. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're about to roll out in an adult discipleship uh, in some literature that we're going to be going through as a church is the power of your story. Your story is a powerful thing. So don't uh, misunderstand what I'm saying here. There's power in your story uh, there's the ability that for God to take that and by His Spirit use it to transform the heart and life of another person as they see the Word played out in your life. But the question is not what happened to me when I was nine years old. The question is, who are you right now? Who are you right now sitting here in your seat? Are you trusting Jesus right now? Because I think we would fail you as pastors of the bridge, as the big C church, if we led people to believe that salvation is the golden ticket into heaven. Live your life any way you want to live it. Do whatever you want to do. You got the ticket. You're good to go. There are far too many people who do not cherish the commandments of God. They don't chart their lives by the Word of God. Neither do they love as Jesus said true Christians should love. They haven't darkened the doors of a church in over 40 years. And the lifestyle they're living is unChristlike. But they'll say... Yeah, I remember I joined such and such a church. And if we as believers in Christ love as we're commanded to love, we can't let people believe, man, you're in good standing in your relationship with God because everything, every bit of fruit that's, that, that you're producing in your life is saying something very, very Different. I know this is an uncomfortable message today, but I'm telling you, we need to hear it. We need to know it, and we need to walk that thing out. The Bible says in Revelation 3:16 that when we are lukewarm as believers, in Revelation 3, uh, we we see this conversation, this uh, uh, this message to the church of Sardis, and they're lukewarm believers. They're just doing whatever to go along to get along. They're not taking a stand for anything. And if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, won't you? Um, And so that's kind of where they were. And I don't ever want God to say, man, uh, the the Smithfield Church or the Princeton Church or the Mount Olive Church or the Goldsboro Church, well, they were just lukewarm in in their walk with me and in their passion for me. John did not say in 1 John 2, 3 that he kept the commandments of God. He says, he that keeps the commandments of God. He didn't say in 1 John 3, 14, he who did love, he says he who does love as Christ loves us. The proof of our salvation is in the present. Is is there that trust and commitment to Jesus right now, today? So I want us to look one more time at 1 John 5, 10. The one who believes, not believed in the Son of God, Who adheres to, trusts, and relies confidently on Him as Savior has the testimony within himself because he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. See, that's where your story is valuable. That's where it's important because we're able to speak authoritatively about Christ, about what He has done in our lives and who He is to each and every one of us. Our daughter, Kinsey, she is not here today. They always get mad at me. All you preachers' kids out there, you know the plight when your parents use your stories in illustrations at church. And they're like, please don't tell all these stories, but this is a great story. Our daughter, Mackenzie, got on an airplane four years ago heading to New York City. New York City? No. <laughs> All the people who laugh know that commercial. So, um, heading to New York City, on the way, and it's the first time she's ever taken a flight all by herself. And so, she's on the way to see her big sister. She gets uh, to Washington, D.C., and there has been a thunderstorm uh, somewhere between Washington and New York. Well, What happens, Mr. Gary Whaley is here today, and he is a pilot, and he understands this. But what happens in commercial flights nowadays, it seems worse than it's ever been. But if there's a thunderstorm or something like that going on, man, it'll back up flights for days. And so this 16-year-old girl who has never flown by herself before finds herself in Washington, D.C. at the airport, and she is stranded Another little facet to this story is when she got out of the, the car and we walked in with her at RDU, we got her on her way, she takes off. You know, you can't go to the gate and wait with people anymore. haven't been able to do that for years. But we get back to the car and I look in the back seat of the car and guess what I see laying in the back seat of the car? It's a little white cord with a little white uh, box attached to the end of it. It is a phone charger. her cell phone. And I said, oh boy, she doesn't have her charger with her. Didn't think much of it until she called us that evening about six o'clock. And she said, my flight to New York has been canceled. They've pushed it back because of this storm. It'll be okay, darling. You're a minor, and they're going to look after you, and they're going to get you somewhere, and you'll probably get on. You know, I'm just reassuring. I'm just being dad, and it's going to be okay. And So an hour or two goes by. We've kind of calmed her down. She calls back again. When she calls back again, I hear this on the other end of the phone. Well, actually, Mama did. <laughs> They're not going to fly me out today. They said it would be tomorrow before I fly out of the airport. Well, honey, just hold up. Let's see what we can work out. We're making phone calls. We're trying to pull strings and get a hold of people that we know. And there are no strings to pull. An hour later, she calls again. They have just told me that I won't have a flight out of Washington, D.C. until Sunday evening. It's Friday night at 6.30. Well, mama hits her knees, buddy. She says, Lord, my daughter is scared. My daughter is afraid. My daughter is disappointed. I don't know anything or anyone or any way to help her with the commercial airline industry. I am at a loss But here's what we know, God. You are supreme and you are all sufficient. And we trust you. And so we began to pray. And what we didn't pray was, Lord, help her. You know what she needs. Mama hit her knees and she started praying very specifically. And let me tell you what she prayed. She said, Lord, surround our daughter with Christians. Bring some people around her that that are like-minded, that love the Lord, that are going to help her, that are going to have sympathy for her and feel compassion toward her. Send someone to her aid that she knows. What? (laughs) She was telling me the things that she wanted us to pray and I said, we don't know anybody in D.C. Not at the airport. I don't know a soul there. Thirdly, send her home on private transportation. Okay, Lord, we're going to have to trust you big to see this happen. I have no idea how you're going to do this. I don't know what this looks like. We don't know God, but we're trusting and we're praying. And while we're waiting, we're, we're still doing some things. I, I called her back and she's just, you know, she's frantic and she's, <laughs> I don't know what to do and I don't have a phone charger. And I, and I said, honey, let me tell you something. I'm not your heavenly father, but your earthly father is not going to let you spend the night in that airport. I will get you if that is necessary. So we prayed. We continued to pray. We continued to believe. We weren't hurt hearing anything, so we started heading up the road and said, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to work this out, but we know you're going to work this out, but we want to be available to whatever you're doing. We didn't even know. We didn't see. We prayed. What we had no idea of is that God already had something in place. How many of you know that when you hit your knees, when you have been faced with a distressing event in your life, that oftentimes God already has the answer in place. He's just waiting on you to ask Him. He's waiting on you to trust Him. Now, there's a reason I told you we prayed very specifically. Because when you pray very specifically, you have a front row seat to watch the sovereignty of God at work in your life in very specific ways. He cares about the things you care about. He is touched by the things that touch you. He does. Y'all didn't know my daughter was in Washington, D.C., Trapped at the airport when she was 16 years old. I didn't call you. I probably could have, but I didn't. But we called on the name of Jesus and we said, God, we need you. Please help us in this situation. And if it ends up that we end up driving up to Washington, D.C., then, well, God, we evidently needed to be in Washington, D.C. for something. So we go to the bridge in Princeton. We get out of the car. I had to pick up a GPS so that we could uh, head on. I didn't have enough data back then on my phone to get me all the way to the airport. So we got our GPS and we start heading out. And right before we leave the parking lot of the bridge, my wife texts one of our dearest friends uh, in Wayne County and said, I need you to pray for Kenzie. Here's the situation. This is what's going on. And we're on our way up there. We need traveling mercy. It's 9.30 at night. I'm going to Washington, D.C. Because my baby girl's up there, and I ain't leaving her in Washington, D.C. I'm going to get her. We're going to get a hotel, because I'm not as young as I used to be. I ain't driving all night. But I'm going to get her from that airport. We get a text back about two minutes later. Don't go. Don't go. My daughter is at a music conference in Reston, Virginia. Now, I don't know how many of you know where Reston, Virginia is, but it's a suburb of Washington, D.C. She's up there with with the whole band from the church. As a matter of fact, they're coming home tomorrow. My daughter is in a suite at the Marriott or some hotel, I don't know what hotel it was, but she's in a suite. She's the only girl in the suite and there are two queen-size beds there. Her daughter just happens to be one of our daughter's very close friends. They said if she can get an Uber to the airport, we'll get her a place to stay tonight. We'll get her private transportation home tomorrow. Won't cost you a nickel. Just get her there. So I call my daughter. Is that not awesome? I mean, we prayed for God to do some stuff there. He went even bigger. He said...